0: At the beginning of this year, I made a commitment to do more interviews. I've worked hard to find guests that I think would resonate with you, guests that would bring generosity and value to the table. I've learned something from every single one of the guests I've had on this show. And on today's episode, I'm gonna share my 20 biggest takeaways. Tons of info on this week's episode. Don't go anywhere. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close, and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast all about helping chefs and operators build more profitable restaurants. Each week, we toggle back and forth between a monologue-style format and an interview, but the goal is always the same, to take complicated marketing concepts and make them both understandable and actionable. Why? Because like I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now... 2021 is wrapping up and the new year is right around the corner and I want the year ahead to be your best year, your most profitable year yet. To do that, I'm going to help you get organized. On Monday, November 29th, I'm kicking off a 3-day challenge and the question is, will you join me? Are you ready to ditch the 60, 70, 80-hour work weeks? Are you ready to get a handle finally on your finances? Are you ready to let your business work for you instead of the other way around? If so, then come join us. You're going to find yourself surrounded by other passionate operators who are all committed to the same thing that you are. I promise that by the end, you'll have a better understanding of how to drive more revenue. You're going to understand how to manage your number one expense, and you're going to know how to get organized so that you can be more efficient and more effective at what you do. It is absolutely free, and I want you to join me. Visit RestaurantStrategyPodcast.com slash challenge to sign up. As always, that link is in the show notes. So, this is episode number 141, and to date, I've done 35 interviews. It's strange, right? Because the interviews have become such a big part of the show, certainly recently this year, but to date, we've published only 35. Now, in the beginning, way back when, in 2019, when I started the podcast, I really thought, that this was just gonna be a monologue style show, right? And then I realized that I knew some people who would make good guests. And so I decided to reach out to them and start shuffling those uh, guests into the mix, right? But it was mainly monologues with a little bit of interviews here and there. Before long though, the more of you that I talked to, the more I realized that you guys really loved the interviews. So as I said at the top of the show, at the beginning of 2021, this year, I vowed to do more of them. In fact half the episodes i've released this year have been interviews you know we've gone back and forth we've toggled back and forth and i think the community is better for it you guys are consistently challenging me to get better and part of that is challenging me to get better and better guests so today i want to share my top 20 takeaways from all of the interviews now maybe you remember some of these right hopefully they they resonated with you but if not Hopefully, this is the uh, the invitation you need to revisit some of these old episodes. So without further ado, let's get going. Number one martin Lindstrom number uh episode number one twelve uh, he said it's much, much easier to be a small player than a big player. He went on to say, and I'm paraphrasing now, but he says, you can be nimble when you're small. You can change directions quickly, you can evolve more quickly when you're big, it's easy to lose your soul, and it's very hard to make quick changes. This was uh, never more obvious than uh, over the course of the pandemic. Of course, um, the big companies uh, had had resources and and had a little bit of a safety net there uh, to help them. Uh, but the little guys can move much more quickly. When we talk about the pivot, right? You could you could add huge sections to your uh, to your business. You could change your business uh, entirely overnight if you needed to, and many of you did need to. Right? That there's something um, there's something we forget about, right? There's a benefit that we often lose sight of, that being a small player is often much, much easier than being a big player. I know it's easy to look at all the things uh, as small operators that we don't have, but let's not lose sight of the one very important thing that we do have. It was a point that uh, Martin Lindstrom went out of his way uh, to point out. Number two, Chris Tunna. Christopher Tunna is a, a friend of mine. He was uh, on the episode uh, number 196. He's a, a restaurant manager um, and a consultant. He opens a lot of restaurants. That's kind of that's kind of his thing. He and I have worked on a, many, many projects uh, together, and he's done many, many more without, uh, without me. Uh, but I brought him on to talk about specifically uh, opening restaurants, the things that people uh, need to know uh, if they have never opened a restaurant before or if it's been a while since they opened a restaurant or if the last one they opened wasn't particularly uh, successful and they want to make sure to do it right this time. That episode is gold. Again, it's episode number 196, but on that episode, uh, he said, a logo doesn't matter, fonts don't matter, the business cards don't matter. All right, so as we were talking through the conversation, he said, "You know, so often that the owners, the the chef, the, everybody around uh, gets gets fixated on on these little details, and and the details matter down the line. But he said they can't matter more than the core operation. He said, get the operation in good working condition, create a product that people want." and then let the brand develop over time. If the food's great, if the dining room's warm, the service is great, nobody's gonna care about the logo, about the business card, about the the fonts that you use on the menu. Um, I think his point was well made. I'm certainly guilty of this, of really focusing on making sure it's all good to go, but there's this idea of, right, like like, done is better than good if you wait for perfect it's never going to be perfect and and if you, if you if you spend all your time just trying to get uh, the little details dialed in uh, you're maybe not paying enough attention to the big details that actually do matter so that's number two Christopher tunna he appeared on episode number one I'm sorry uh, episode 96. Number three, Peter Fader. Peter Fader uh, appeared on episode 93. Uh, He is a professor at Wharton. He is a a very distinguished uh, public speaker and an author. He wrote a book called Customer Centricity. On that episode, he talked about frequency, recency, and monetary spend. Uh, he spends his entire career um, uh, trying to calculate CLV, customer lifetime value. And he says, you know, try to calculate the CLV of each and every guest and what he finds through his data, right? And he's a numbers guy. He's a, he's pure quant. He went to MIT and now he teaches at, at Wharton. He's a big deal, but he thinks in terms of uh, of, of quantifying this, not, not, qualifying it right um, so uh, so quant data right is is stuff is data that that's hard data you can point to and he says that you're gonna find that eight, the 8020 rule comes into play or as his data shows it's more like the 93. 93- seven rule, meaning the vast majority of your revenue will come from a very small, very loyal group. We like to say that 80% of your uh, revenue comes from 20% of your customers, right? And he said, actually, the data shows it's more like 93.7, that 93% of your revenue will come from about 7% of your customer base. Again, very small, very loyal. We have to figure out how to identify them, how to get them to be more loyal, how to get them to come back and then spread the word about what we're doing. Peter Fader, it's a great episode, number 93. If you haven't listened to it uh, before or if you haven't listened to it recently, it's worth going back and checking out. Number four on my list, Mark Schaefer appeared on uh, episode 106. Uh, He's also this marketing guru. He's a professor at Rutgers. Um, He wrote a book called uh, Marketing Rebellion. And he says, right, again, to use this 80% rule again, he says 80% of our marketing is actually being done behind our backs. This idea is huge. It's actually uh, part of what led me to develop uh, what I call the triangle principle, right? That to market any product, any service, any experience on the planet, uh, we have to think about three things. The triangle principle, uh, attraction, retention, and evangelism. That's me. That's my framework that I've developed. But what Mark says on the episode is that all this marketing is done behind our backs. We like to think you know, that our emails, that our website, that our social media, that are all the things we do uh, make a difference. And they do matter but that's only makes up about 20% of the total marketing that is happening around your product, around your restaurant. Super important to give people the shorthand to go speak about you, to give them the vocabulary. What, how do you want them to feel and how do you want them to describe you when they go tell their colleagues, when they go tell their parents, their uh, their spouse about the meal? Super important. Again, Mark Schaefer, he, Mark Schaefer. he appeared on episode number 106. Great episode, great guy, really smart guy. Number five on my list, Kelly Cooper, she works at Moz. Uh, moz.com uh, is an SEO uh, site. Uh, they help you find keywords and really dial in your uh, your search engine optimization. She appeared on episode number 77, and she said there are specific, tangible things you can do to make sure your business appears in relevant searches. So if the, the, the point of the, uh, the, the Internet, right, is that it's a vast place where you can find anything, well, how do you find the exact thing you're looking for? We use uh, sites like uh, Google and Bing. She said uh, the things, the four things that are going to affect your business uh, being found more than anything else are uh, grabbing your Google My Business page and filling it out. Uh, something she called nap credentials name address phone number making sure they uh, match across the entire internet so your website your google my business page um all your social media pages um any other sort of directory or list site that you're on she talked about backlinks, making sure your links are all legitimate, that there are no dead links, no dead pages, uh, and that you're getting backlinks from reputable sources, right? It's one of the, the good things that comes from being listed on a directory or or getting reviewed, that those uh, sites are always uh, linking back to your site. So it's driving traffic back to you, which helps tell the Google bots uh, that this is something that, uh, that people might be interested in. And then finally, reviews. Uh, even just in the year and a half since Kelly and I spoke, uh, reviews have uh, taken uh, a larger role when it comes to search engine optimization, but she says uh, Yelp, TripAdvisor, Foursquare, Google, Facebook, all of these are becoming more and more important. So Google My Business, NAP credentials, backlinks, and reviews, those are huge when it comes to establishing your presence on the internet. Number six, I uh, I had Salim Khatri on the show on episode number 52. He's the uh, CEO of Lavu Inc., which is the original kind of iPad um ipad pos system and he says uh the uh, the data is overwhelmingly clear that technology and specifically kiosks are helping to drive more revenue cut expenses and create a better guest experience so if there's technology out there that has the power to do all three of those things my question is why are we still resisting the call there is no reason except that it's different uh that it seems like a Uh, like a difficult lift, uh, a difficult thing to do, but it's not. Um, I'm finding that a lot of the same data that uh, you find with kiosk is also uh, emerging when we talk about table ordering. Uh, t- table ordering uh, famously is also helping us uh, cut our front of house payroll, which at a time when, uh, right now, when it's so hard to find uh, staffing, um, it's really, really helping make more profitable restaurants um, and uh, and help us uh, through this staffing crunch. So again, uh, episode number 52, I sat with Salim Khatri. Um, the, the case study that he shared from when he worked uh, with, uh, NYU to roll out kiosk service there is, uh, is absolutely irrefutable. Um, well worth the listen if you haven't listened in a while. Uh, number seven on my list, Bob and Kate Carpenter. Uh, they are the uh, the owners and operators of Sunnyside Kitchen in Escondido, California, just outside San Diego. They appeared on episode number 49. They were longtime listeners of the show. They became friends of mine uh, and then clients of mine. Uh, I've enjoyed watching their brand grow and being able to help them in uh, strategic ways. Uh, but they said on the show, uh, respond to each and every review on Yelp. Those responses then are not for the critics, the people who left a, a positive or a, or a negative review, but think of it as being for the people researching you, the other people who are coming to the Yelp page uh, to explore, uh, to find out more about you. It's an opportunity, they said, to show them what kind of an operator you are. So this idea that we should be responding to each and every review on Yelp, positive or negative, Go and find them all and respond to each of them. And don't do some cookie-cutter, boilerplate, copy-and-paste job, but really um, really speak to them. Um, treat them as individuals. and It makes all the difference. This is coming from uh, two people who build a business that have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of five-star reviews. They've, uh, they've made best-of Yelp lists many, many years in a row. So, again, episode number 49, Bob and Kate Carpenter. Number eight on my list, Mike McFall. I recently just had him on a couple episodes ago, uh, episode number one thirty-eight. He is the uh, co-CEO, uh, co-founder of Big B Coffee. Uh, they're based out in uh, the Midwest, um, based uh, originated out in Michigan. Uh, And he says here on that episode, he said, if you follow the guidelines, you're never going to be out of position. Your staff will always know what they're supposed to be doing at any given point in the shift. So obviously they have a franchise model. If you listen to that interview, uh, he talks about how they took it from one store to two stores and then uh, franchised it uh, and expanded it all over into hundreds and hundreds of units. And now they're growing um, uh, exponentially, right? So What I thought of is as he was talking, this idea that we hear in the restaurants, right? Time to lean, you got time to clean, right? So if you're just sitting around with nothing to do, I'll give you something to do. But what Mike actually said is he built a framework at Bigby Coffee um, where he gives them a structure. So there are positions, right, that you know, I always do, uh, I'm always here in position one. And if there's nothing to do in one, then I go to two. If there's nothing to do in one and two, I go to three. One, two, and three. If there's nothing to do, then I go to four. Super, super important. It goes beyond just uh, giving people tasks to do to clean or to, you know, to uh, you know, to upkeep the the place. There are different things that they should be doing. i started applying this uh, to some of the training manuals that I put together. Right, how do I teach uh, bussers? Uh, what they should be looking, how to have the how to how to look at their station, how to have eyes for the dining room. How do I train a bartender to have eyes for the bar? What they should be looking for and what they should be doing at any given point in time. This idea of positions, right? If you give them uh, specific guidelines, they're never going to be out of position. They're always going to know what to do. Mike McFall, really great interview, episode number one thirty eight. Number nine on my list, Zach Oates, is the founder of a company called Ovation. He appeared on episode number one thirty-two. Uh, Ovation has been a sponsor of this show. I'm grateful for their support, but I'm also grateful for this, um, uh, for this, uh, for this resource for their software. Um, at the very, very end, uh, so we talked a lot about you know this idea of almost like reputation management, right? How do you know when something uh, goes out the door and uh, and the DoorDash uh, driver takes it to the person? How do you know? how long it took to get there. How do you know uh, whether it arrived in one piece, whether it arrived still hot uh, or, or, you know, with um, with the pizza box top smashed in or whatever, right? How can you tell? And Zach has built a platform uh, that allows you to keep tabs on that, uh, to to intercede when things aren't up to par and to, um, to help people magnify uh, the good experiences, right? So on that episode, towards the very end, he said, restaurants are getting bigger and smaller at the same time, right? So I asked him, uh, what, what is he seeing for the future of restaurants for the next couple of years, at least? And he said, restaurants are getting bigger and smaller at the same time. And by that, he was saying they're getting smaller because menus are getting smaller. Uh, Menus that can be executed more easily with limited staff, um, uh, menus that are smaller to minimize waste. Um, So menus are getting smaller, but restaurant operations are getting bigger because now we've got multiple revenue sources, right? Multiple streams of revenue, not only in-person dining, but takeout and retail and cookbooks and classes and all of this I think he's absolutely right I didn't I really didn't think of it in terms of that in, in though, in, until he put it so succinctly. Um, there's lots of really great nuggets of knowledge uh, on that episode uh, number 132 if you feel like going back and revisiting that please do Zach is a really good guy uh, super generous, uh, really knowledgeable. Uh, and then number 10, Sean Walshef. So Sean is the host of the Digital Hospitality Podcast. I was a guest on that podcast. He was obviously a guest on this podcast. It's episode number 130. Uh, he's also the founder and chef uh, owner of uh, Cali Barbecue uh, just outside of San Diego. He said here uh, on that episode, invite your staff to become part of the process. It's one of the best ways to get buy-in. To do that, put a phone in their hand and ask them to capture whatever they see that's interesting, super Super important. I, I'm certainly, uh, I'm certainly uh, guilty of this, of, uh, of taking it all on myself or saying, you know, we can't, uh, we can't rely on our staff. But Sean says, no, quite the opposite. Do rely on your staff. That not only are they going to be able to do the job better than you could do on your own, but it's going to get buy in. They're going to become invested in your success, which is ultimately what we want, especially when we're talking about this staffing crunch. So we think this is something we have to do. We just need to broaden our definition of we, right? So, yes we have to do this but the we is bigger than we think now i'll be back with the rest of the list after a word from another one of our sponsors the most successful restaurants take brand and design very seriously now that includes aesthetics like architecture lighting and music all the way down to silverware and plating but a restaurant remember is nothing without the people that make it come alive and so the natural question is how are you dressing your staff Stock manufacturing has been crafting premium apparel since 2012 and are constantly called upon by Michelin-quality restaurants for their expertise. With stock, you get the best of both worlds, all the style of retail with the price, continuity, and customer service of a traditional uniform vendor. They offer an assortment of everyday items that are ready to ship with no minimum order quantity and can make these items stand out with custom touches like embroidery, hats, and pins. They can also fully design custom uniforms from the ground up to complement your restaurant's brand, decor, and environment. They are offering a special promotion for listeners of the Restaurant Strategy Podcast. Wholesale pricing on all in-stock products plus 50% off all design fees for fully custom uniforms. Visit stockmfg.co slash chip to get started. Again, S-T-O-C-K-M-F-G dot slash C-H-I-P. As always, that link is in the show notes. Now, number 11 on this list, Andrew Scrivani, famous food photographer, worked for the New York Times for years and years and years. He's an educator. He came on the show on episode number 126, and he says, manage your expectations from the start. Get it all out in the open. Now, that was a conversation we were having about how uh, operators can work uh, with creatives, right, with um, specifically with food photographers, right? Make sure we manage your expectations. What do they want to get out of this shoot, and what can the photographer deliver during this shoot. And I can't help but think that this is true for any sort of partner or collaborator that we have, right? It's also true for your staff and your patrons, right? Now, for your patrons, let's say, you've got to set the expectations of what kind of experience you can provide, what sort of experience they can expect, and then you have to deliver that. Same thing with your staff. What can they expect from this job? What can you offer and what can't you offer? And then when you think about it for your collaborators, your partners, any sort of vendors you work with, all of that is super important. So again, he said, manage your expectations from the start. Get it all out in the open. Number 12 on my list, Ken McGarry. Uh, he's a restaurant consultant. He appeared on episode number 122. And he said, we want to think of this as an acute crisis, right? But staffing in the restaurant industry is a chronic pain. We may be feeling it more now, but it's been there for a long time. I've been saying this for a while. Ken said it so eloquently, but we can't solve this this sort of long-term issue we're having uh, with staffing with short-term solutions. These uh, require big uh, these are big problems and they uh, they require big solutions. Uh, really important to think of. Ken works with uh, brands and, and companies and operators all over the country. Uh, it's worth revisiting that episode as well. Andrea Borgan abdallah appeared on uh, episode number uh, 97. Uh, she's number 13 on this list. And she said, the way we pay people in the industry, in this industry, in this country at least, is no longer working. And in order for the industry to grow again in a meaningful way, we will need to reconcile that. All right. So she's talking about tipping, about the tip credit, about a minimum wage, all of that. The country is going to have a reckoning when it comes to tipping sometime over the next decade or so. I believe it. I think she believes it. She's working hard uh, to make it so we can have a a, a realistic conversation about how to to make that work. Um, I think you got to get out ahead of it. Um, Learn what's possible in your state. Labor laws are different everywhere you go. I know that. It's not one size fits all, but um, but we can't just hope it stays the way it is. I think we we, we can all feel the winds of uh, change coming. Number 14 on my list, Adrian Mack. Uh, she's the CEO founder of uh, Miss Mac Enterprises. Uh, she's a consultant who works uh, with a lot of uh, HR uh, companies with a lot of companies helping them to staff up. She was on the show in episode number 128 and she says, we all have biases that we have to face. Um, we were talking about something on the show, uh, and it really struck me uh, in real time as I was in that interview. And she says, you know, now we got all these technology, all the, these pieces of technology, right? The POS system is on the computer. Uh, you know, the reservation system is on a computer. Um, you know, we do, we put our um, uh, our scheduling app uh, on, on a, they, we expect them to, to download an app and to check their schedules there and, and do inventory via an app and all that. But our our industry is home to diverse people, right? Different backgrounds, races, education levels, income. And it's easy to overlook some really basic things, right? Some people don't uh, don't have comfort with technology. Some people simply don't have a smartphone. So if we're gonna issue their schedule via smartphone, right? There are some people that can't easily access their schedule. That's a big deal and that's a bias, right? It's easy, and and again, I saw this through my own lens, that it was easy for me to say, oh, this is great, this technology allows me to track labor hours and and, and conveniently do uh, shift swaps and, and all of that, and people can see it in real time rather than me putting a piece of paper and then scratching it out but there are some people that that doesn't work for and not saying that you shouldn't do it, but make sure you think more completely about your staff as a whole and, and be aware, be, um, be open to the idea that this might not work for some people. And you might have to have some real honest conversations about how to make it work for some people. Number 15 on my list is Yannick Benjamin. Yannick appeared just uh, last episode, number 140, and, uh, and this is actually not a quote from him. This is something that I learned from him, that, that uh, I have learned from him and that, I, and that I continue to learn. It's that perspective is everything. Here he was, a guy who was making his career in hospitality, uh, was working in the industry from the age of 15, 16 on, uh, all he ever wanted to do. Was working a restaurant. His family all comes from uh, from fine dining. That's all he wanted to do. Hospitality runs through his veins. And at 25, he was in a horrible car crash that left uh, that left him uh, paralyzed from the waist down. How many waiters have you seen in a wheelchair? All the times you've gone out to dinner, all the restaurants you've been. How many times have you seen a manager in a wheelchair? How many times have you seen a waiter in a wheelchair? Uh, a bartender, uh, a sommelier, right? Perspective is. Everything. He figured out a way to make a place for himself in this industry when it would have been really easy to just give up, to go do an office job, to do something he hated. But he knew he wanted to do this, and he found a way to make it happen. Uh, the guy has gone on to create an incredible career now, has opened his own restaurant. Uh, he started two nonprofits uh, that are extraordinary. I've had the great privilege of being able to support them and raise money for them. Um, everything he does and stands for uh, is is worth... Um, uh, is worth honoring. Uh, that interview, again, brought all of that to light. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview because it meant a lot to me that uh, he agreed to come on the show. In any anyway, that's number 15 on the list, Yannick Benjamin and he appeared on episode 140. On episode number 134, Matt Plapp came onto the show and he said, we need to put systems in place to build effective, efficient, repeatable actions that help us achieve our goals. And this brings me back to this idea of systems and goals. Uh, We need to identify a problem and make sure we're setting a goal that solves that problem. And then we need to put a system in place that will help us achieve that goal. Finally, then we need a system that will allow us to judge, to measure, whether our actions were working or not. Super important, Matt, everything he does at America's Best Restaurants, uh, helping restaurants uh, market more effectively, um, is built with this principle in mind, and it's something that I really took away from that episode number 134. Uh, Number 17 on this list, I'm going back to Sean Walshef. Again, he was episode number 130, and he said it's still all about location, right? Location, location, location. It's just that technology is redefining what we mean when we say location, I think it's absolutely right. It used to mean that you, put, you, you had to find a great corner and a well-trafficked area to put a restaurant, but that's not as important anymore because people aren't necessarily walking by. Again, if there's anything we learned over the last two years is that people aren't really walking by finding restaurants anymore. They are uh, finding restaurants, finding their food uh, different ways. Most of them uh, are digitally. So rethinking how we define location. On episode number 120, I had Jim Snedeker on the show. He's the founder of, uh, one of the co-founders of Stock Manufacturing. Uh, They are a sponsor of this episode of this show. I'm grateful for their support. Uh, But they're number 18 on uh, on the list. And he said, uh, we think all about... Uh, we think about all the details and yet people bring our place to life and often uniforms are an afterthought and that drove him crazy, right? It, it drives him crazy enough to uh, to build a, a company to help rectify that situation, but it's true. Uh, all the places that I've opened, uh, uniforms very often, uh, even if we had a conversation, they were an afterthought because we weren't willing to make the investment in them. We weren't willing to, um, uh, certainly uh, not instead of other pieces like, uh, like silverware or plates or or pots or pans or or whatever. And I think that's interesting, given that the people are the ones that bring, uh, bring a restaurant to life, that we don't invest more in uniforms. Uh, again, uh, they offer a really great deal to listeners of this show. Now, the link is in the show notes. They are a sponsor of this episode. Uh, if you wanna hear more about what they're doing, it's worth checking out. Um, checking out what stock does. They put out really, really great products. Um, if you're opening a restaurant or if you want to you know, uh, you know, up your game at your restaurant, uh, uniforms are, are one great way to do it. In any event, there was something that Jim said on that, uh, on that episode that really, um, that really stuck with me all these uh, many months later. Uh, on episode number 114, I spoke with Renee Scott. She was talking about her experiences uh, with Ike's um, uh, Ike's Love and Sandwiches. Uh, and then uh, earlier in her career, when she was working at Carl's Jr. and other brands like that, and we were talking a lot about brand filter, right? It's that uh, She was saying that you need to understand yourself, who you are, what your brand is all about, who your audience is. You need to understand them enough to be able to put a brand filter in place and to stick to it, right? If you know who you are, you know who you're for, then don't try to be something to anybody else just try to be what this people what these people want what your audience wants and stick to it do that again and again and again i know it's hard but it makes all the difference it's all about the brand filter that was uh, my one takeaway uh, one of my takeaways from that episode number 114 And then finally, number 20, uh, I I wanted to end with this. Uh, My friend and uh, colleague, uh, Stephen Hall, he is the owner of Hall PR here in New York City. Um, He reps all kinds of restaurants and chefs uh, here in the city, but actually all over the world. Um, He was on episode number 190, uh, I'm sorry, he was on episode number 98. And he said, the thing is, we sell air, right? And I think that's a great place to finish here. Remember, we don't sell food, we sell air, meaning we sell an experience, we sell an emotion, we sell status, we sell access, we sell whatever it is, we're not selling food. We're, we're serving food, we're feeding people, but that's not what we are selling. We're selling so much more. Um, he was using that to, to refer to the work he does, um, how he sells a restaurant to a, uh, a journalist, uh, for example. Um, but it's still, uh, it, it still works for, for us and our purposes, right? That, that we have to sell ourselves to potential customers we have to sell ourselves to potential employees now if you guys have any favorites that you want to share any that you think i forgot please email me directly tell me i missed one chip at chipclose.com. com. that's c-h-i-p-k-l-o-s-e.com guys. Thank you for showing up. Do not forget about the challenge. It starts on Monday, November 29th. It runs for three days. It's going to be a great way to set yourself up for the year ahead. I promise you will not regret it. It's absolutely free for everyone. Come join the community uh, and get set for the year ahead. Thank you again. Stay creative and I will see you next week. Restaurant Strategy is made possible by the generous support of our sponsors as well as our Patreon supporters. A special shout-out to all of our gold and platinum members, Ty Hames, Bob and Kate Carpenter, Scott Middleton, Chuck and Denise Close, Stephen and Ann Fagan, Mario Tomatos, and Christopher Tana. If you want to become a supporter, please go visit patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. Again, the link is in the show notes.